Hello and welcome to Coppola Connections, where we intend to shake every branch of the Coppola family tree to find out, are they the greatest film family of all time? Last week, we looked at Christopher Coppola's gonzo comic book adaptation, G-Men from Hell, and this week we are looking at a bona fide sporting classic. The first on the podcast to look at a film starring Talia Shire. It is the one and only 1976 Academy Award winner, Rocky. However, before we step in the ring with this week's film, I have an amazing announcement to make, and that is Caged In and In Part Me are a part of the Bread Crumbs Collective. Less of a podcast network, more of a podcast family. It's like-minded individuals creating some weird and wonderful podcasts for you. The other podcasts you can find on that collective are a Drip Town, Lemony Main, franchised, tool talk, breadcrumbs, and the always amazing Pod Charles Cinecast, which brings me on to this week's guest, which is one of the co-hosts of that podcast, Jonathan Foster. As is the way now with this podcast, there is some bonus Nicolas Cage chat over on Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com forward slash caged in pod. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, this is your spoiler warning because we go through these films round by round, punch by punch of every gory detail. If you'd like to find out if and where this film is streaming, you can do so with a handy document that is in the show notes right now. So there's only one thing left to do. That's to drink some raw eggs, beat your meat, and go the distance as we make some Coppola connections. On this episode, it's time to lace up your gloves and get ready to go blow for blow for one of the greatest underdog stories of all time, Rocky. Released in 1976, Directed by John G. Alvidson, starring Sylvester Stallone and Talia Shire. This film at the 1977 Academy Awards would go on up against Talia Shire's then-husband's film, All the Presidents Met, to win three of the ten Oscars it was nominated for. In my corner for this first round of the Rocky Saga is cinema worker, podcast network boss, former Philly resident, host of both Podcast Cinecast, Breadcrumbs and Franchise Podcast, Jonathan Foster. How are you, sir? Hey, hey. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on, Petros. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. It's um, it's quite a strange one. It's nearly been like a year since we last spoke. Yeah. And it feels like not much has changed Nothing's in changed the outside world. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not true. You've, you've, uh, I, I feel like you've grown considerably since the last time I've been on this podcast, and I'm very proud of you, I should say. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I thank you. I just meant like the the wider world. Last time we spoke, it yeah. was, oh yeah. How, how's everything going with the cinema? It's like, well, the the Prince Charles is closed. We're, we're, <laughs> yeah. we're nearly a year later, and it's like, oh, anything fun coming up at the uh, Prince Charles? The Prince Charles is closed, as, as is most things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's not going to be much uh, to really update, is there? Um, when it comes to the Prince Charles Cinema, anyway. We opened up since the last time that yes. I talked to you twice, and we closed twice, so <laughs> very fun. We had four weeks of uh, of trying to keep afloat. It was good, though. People were really nice. They came out. We had 
some pretty packed audiences for what we could do in a uh, very safe, uh, socially distanced auditorium. So I want to thank all those people out there who came out. You're very nice. and Thanks for doing that. Keep coming out when we reopen. Amazing. So, yeah, obviously today we're here to talk about Rocky and the wider Coppola family. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, you used to live in Philly. Is is Rocky somewhat of like a, a hometown legend, even though he's a completely fictional character in Philly? Yeah, I mean, Philly's like a crazy sports mm -hmm. city. So I'm not from Philly. I lived, um, I'm from Virginia, and I moved up to Philly for a year um, when I was working in a grocery, like for a grocery chain. And the first thing I did when I got to Philly was go find the Rocky statue. So you're, you're already getting sort of an idea of how important uh, Rocky was to me as a kid growing up. But uh, yeah, Philly, like, you know, Rocky, like I said, Philly's like a very big sports place. So you have like so many sports teams and they're like insane mm -hmm. about their sports. It's very fun. Like <laughs> I would, I didn't, I don't even like care about any of those teams really. But I would like drive around listening to sports radio in Philly because they were insane and they were always like, if if like the Phillies, the the baseball team or the Eagles or whatever, if they're doing really really well, they're the best team on earth. Mm -hmm. But if they suck and they're doing really bad, they're bums. They are bums. <laughs> like that's all you hear. It's so fun. So Rocky was like, I think, you know, very, uh, yeah, he was definitely like a bit of a mythical creature there. You know, <laughs> like a figure. Unfortunately, the Rocky statue isn't on top of the, the steps at the museum anymore. Um, like you see in, I think, like, what, Rocky 4, Rocky yeah. 3, 4, uh, when they installed the statue. So it's, like, around the corner from the place now. <laughs> and that was kind of a shame because it took me a minute to find it. So I was just, like, looking around. I was like, where's this statue at? And I think I had to, like, look on my phone, and I finally found it around the corner. Did you do the steps? Did you do the run? Did you do the arms in the air or, of like... Uh, <laughs> no <laughs> i was always alone i was always alone i you know i i do a lot of stupid things when i'm alone but um uh yeah i couldn't do that it was it's, they're pretty steep you know mm -hmm. it's like you get the two montages really uh the first time he tries it and he's like wind it when he gets up there yeah. and then the second time he's like he gets it and you're just like yeah, he's ready he's ready to take on apollo creed so, yeah, I mean, they're pretty steep, but you do see tons and tons of people doing it. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't have looked dumb if I tried it, but, you know, <laughs> it's like it's always happening there. Dude. I would go there a lot because I really like that walk. Mm -hmm. It's really cool. Like, I don't know if you, you've seen it. You've seen the film. So when you're when he turns and he looks and you see the city behind mm -hmm. him, like, well, in, well, in front of him. There's like the it's a long like parade basically. It's a really long street with all these flags from all over the world just like around. It's really cool, Amazing. really pretty. So really nice area of Philly. What what I was gonna say about that second time he runs up them steps is it's really undercut in the sequel when like a load of kids do it and it's like yeah okay like maybe it's not such a feat of like stroke <laughs> when it's like a load yeah. of a load of 10 year olds who haven't been training for yeah but <laughs> little kids are little kids are crazy like that though you know like they they have way more stamina than we do you know i'm i'm 31 now and i tried to like mm -hmm. i walk a lot as well that's the thing i i keep in well enough shape but like if i'm gonna try to walk up those steps it's, you didn't tell me it was leg day man <laughs> oof oof yeah they are steep 
Fantastic. Well, before we get too deep into talking about Rocky, when did you first become aware of the Coppola family as a kind of entity? When did yeah, when did you know they existed? Yeah, I was I was trying to like rack my brain around this question um <laughs> because I've always been sort of like a weird nerd with with film trivia like as a little kid um like uh, I don't know like a bit of a sponge, you know, someone <laughs> will tell me like something like i don't know i I believe i talked to you about this before in the past with uh, when when i was on last time uh, and i was talking about nick cage and how i like learned he was connected to the coppola family and all that stuff i mean it would just be like my mom or my dad telling me this sort of stuff when i was a little kid and just always kind of knowing about these things so i don't think i i don't remember that when i saw the godfather but i think i was aware when i was younger that like you know talia shire was like related it was the sister of Mm-hmm. uh francis for coppola but yeah i mean it's been a long time i can't even remember like it's i don't know sorry that's a bad answer yeah no 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 i i remember <laughs> like when i found out that then it's like when you find out the next link to the family because it is it is crazy yeah. like then you go what jason Schwartzman's mum is is adrian <laughs> and then it's like your mind is blown yeah. once again and then like yeah there's yeah, like, that that definitely blew my mind as well. Because I I'm trying to remember like what the first Schwartzman film was that I saw. Um, because like I was really big into Rushmore, but I probably saw like I Heart Huckabees before that, and then I like retroactively found like you know, um, some of his stuff with Wes Anderson, and yeah, yeah. it was just like whoa, that's tell you what what? <laughs> yeah, because she's in I Heart Huckabees as well, right? Like that's yeah, a, she is. That's yeah. one of the few times they've yeah they've they've worked together. You, as, as the Coppolas do, there is always yeah. a lot of uh, cross-pollination yeah, yeah, in their films. And, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get into some of that a bit later. So what was the first Talia Shire film you would have seen? Would it have been this film? It definitely would have been one of the Rocky films. I don't remember what the first Rocky film was that I saw. Um, I have like a very big like appreciation for like probably the worst the worst couple of Rockies, like, uh, not, not, I mean, like I'm saying that in a way that like critically speaking, like, mm-hmm. uh, but I think they're some of the best, like Rocky four and then like Rocky three. So, you know, yeah. I, that was like my gateway drug. Um, and then like, you know, as I, I, I don't know, I saw all of them as a kid. I don't remember what order and stuff, but it was definitely the Rocky movies. Tyler Shire. His name is Sylvester Stallone. He's the star of a new film called Rocky. He's been described as tough, handsome, talented, sexy, sensitive, dynamic, brilliant. He's been compared to Nicholson, De Niro, and Brando, but he is Rocky. He's the man who could be loved by only one woman because somehow she gets beneath the pain. He's every nobody who ever needed somebody. Rocky, do you believe that America is the land of opportunity? Yeah. I'll break both your arms so they don't work for you. He's every man who ever settled for something less. What am I crying, Nick? At least you have pride. I ain't had no pride. I ain't enough. I'm gonna get that. I'm gonna get that. Terrific. I mean, you're gonna be a heartbreak. You walk down the street breaking hearts the way you look. Very shy. 
He's the man who never had a chance until now. Rocky. His whole life was a million to one shot. His name is Sylvester Stallone, but you will always remember him as Rocky. Rocky being a thing as a kid, just like kind of Biles Moses, mm. just like it's there. And obviously it's it's referenced in everything. Like obviously we talked about the steps. Like that has kind of been lampooned so many times. You just kind of know That's right. Adrian. Like you know that. Like, yeah, yo Adrian. Yeah. <laughs> without, without, yeah, <laughs> without ever seeing the film, you just kind of you just kind of know it. And there was a thing in me that like really just like r- ripped them all off. And I was a bit like, ah, they're kind of just like, they're dumb. Oh, so easy to do, I think. Yeah. Dumb sports movies. Mm. And then like, like this is a big confession. I, I probably sat down and watched this properly for the first time later last year. And oh, like, wow. I, I, and then like, <laughs> I literally went from like watching one to two to three to four to five, just like engulfed them all. Then Balboa, then the Creed films. So I'm like, I am a solid convert. Like I, yeah, because and what they what they will do so well. You mentioned like three and four. Is they're all like kind of products of their time and yeah. What definitely. what what I love especially about this one is the fact that it's it's just a fucking like gritty seventies movie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was rewatching it the other night, I was thinking that as well. I was just like, I don't know. I I've always. I've always like put like the Rocky films in like tears, mm-hmm. like uh, you know, so like three and four are like they're like the really really fun but like goofy ones. Five shit Balboa like is uh, just like a very like holy crap! I can't believe that was as good as it was. Yeah. Like um, very underrated. If anyone doesn't want to give it a chance, definitely watch it. It's good. And then the Creed films are kind of like on that level as well. They're like really good, um, and. Then you have the first two. So the second one I almost feel like is like, it's like really good, but it's not as good as the first one. Mm-hmm. But the first one is like <laughs> unbelievably one of the greatest films of all time. So you have like this weird thing about it where people, they see Rocky, they know, like you said, it's like osmosis, you know, Rocky, it's like, it's very parodied and all that. And it becomes almost to a detriment. But at the same time, the first film is like, an Academy Award winner. It won Best Picture. It is a bona fide, like, legendary piece of cinema. And, yeah, like, when you watch it, it's just like, this could be take Rocky out of it and just, like, throw Travis Bickle running around. You're watching Taxi Driver. You know what I mean? Like, it's got that gritty 70s vibe. It's really dark and stuff. There's moments, like, we'll get into, I'm sure, but, like, like just the relationship between Rocky and Adrian and stuff, it's like, this could easily be a completely different movie if it was directed by like a Scorsese or like, I don't know, like Joe Spinell is in the film. It could just turn like really dark, but you know, it's like you you kind of forget like how sweet Rocky is and stuff, but like, you know, and how just like he has to really drag Adrian out of her shell and stuff. And like, at times you're just like, oh man, this is like borderline creepy. Like Rocky's a bit like he's a bit full on with his like 
obsession, but at the same time, you're just like, oh, well, he's just he just really likes her. He's actually just really sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really likes her. <laughs> so yeah, it's weird. Like if you're watching it with the '70s, like just glaze over it, it's so dark and gritty. And yeah, Philly looks really fucking cool. Um, yeah, the wet streets and mm-hmm. just like cold, the cold atmosphere of it and stuff, and just like yeah. It's really, it's a good movie though. I, I think anyone who's not seen it or like doesn't want to give them a chance, go back and watch that first one, like for <laughs> sure. Well, it's it's got this aspect to it that it's not only just an Academy Award winner; it's also like the highest-grossing movie of that year as well. So it kind of mm. like straddles the line between like critically successful and kind of like the. Do you know what I mean the beard strokers can kind of get that get their fill? Yeah. But then yeah, obviously yeah. it got people into the cinema. And it's yeah. the thing like it being like written off as a dumb sports movie, it's like that that really in essence is a small part of the actual like screen time of this. Like it's a good like forty like the first forty five minutes to an hour is just all character study of yeah, Rocky yeah. and Adrian and uh, Bert Young's Paulie. And you just kind of like, you fall in love. And I think like if you didn't have any of that kind of humanistic stuff and like the there's like light senses of humor to it and stuff like that, if you didn't have any of that, you, you wouldn't care by the time that the kind of sports stuff like comes in. And I guess it's that thing you were saying about like, like the Philly pride in like their team, mm. stuff like that in sports. And it's like, you can kind of use that in films. It's like, well, I'm I'm not a boxing fan, but if like if a film like does something well, like portrays something well, I'm sold. I'm sold on it. Do you know what I mean? I will, I will happily yeah. watch like a quote unquote boxing movie. And it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. So what they say about documentaries, right? When they say that like the best kind of documentaries is to make you care about something you have no interest in, and it's like I, I think that's I think that's similar with with film and obviously in this in this case they do it by and let's take our hats off to the fact that like this is written by sylvester stallone, <laughs> sylvester right? stallone yeah yeah which is crazy because he was like such an unknown like he had really like literally taken his own italian stallion name from like what like a kind of dodgy softcore porn career <laughs> or something like you know and like <laughs> and then he's like He's an he's a nobody who just like writes this script about something that he doesn't even fully know and understand, but it like is a I guess a fan enough of, of and can utilize it to tell this like crazy story of an underdog. Mm-hmm. It's so impressive. Like I don't like it's crazy because like you don't it's almost like Sylvester Stallone is like the Rocky series as well, like where he gets sort of like you know, fopped off as just being this, this joke. Like, you yeah. know, it's like people like him, you know, they love the Rocky films. They love the Rambo films, but at the same time, they're going to like, just see him as being this, like, you know, I don't know, one dimensional action star. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. when he wrote this film and created this universe and it's unbelievable. And he's actually directed a lot of films as well that like, you just probably don't really think about. And, you know, they're not all great, but it's like, there's a lot more to Sylvester Stallone than just like being always just like one of the faces of 80s action movies, you know, like there's yeah. a lot there, you know, like, and this story has a lot of soul. So it's like impressive. 
Yeah, I'm not sure if you know much about like the kind of like backstory of this, but United Artists really wanted like a, like a Robert Redford type to play the character of Rocky, and they they mm. gave Sylvester Stallone like an out really early on and said to him like, "Here's two hundred grand, we'll buy the script off of you, and like, but we don't we don't want you in it." And he said he said no, and this was at a point that like. He had no, he had like a hundred and twenty six dollars like to yeah. his name, and was like, no, if I'm gonna like, I I want to be in this as well, and it was the, yeah, the the producers, uh, Ivan, yeah, the 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 producing partners. I I will say their names eventually in this podcast. Don't worry, guys. Uh, but like, <laughs> <laughs> they they kind of took a risk on him and said like, yeah, we'll we'll do it, we'll do it with you, and. Like I think the budget originally for, for for another actor, even still, was two million dollars. Yeah. And then with Sylvester Stallone, it was one million dollars. Yeah. And so then these well. mad caveats that like any any penny they went over that million dollars, the um the producers were like solely responsible to pay for that, and like they had like these mad clauses that at any moment they could kind of. Like, if Sylvester Stallone wasn't up to scratch, they could just sack him. And it's like, it's almost like the production of this film is just as, like, meaty and kind of like those parallels to the story of Rocky himself. It's like, it's this guy who's, so, like, talented and kind of really wants it. And I think at that time, that is like, that is what Sylvester Stallone wanted. And John Diabolson yeah. says in one of the commentaries that there's nothing better than like a starving actor. Like, and mm. he said, like, that's what Sylvester Stallone was. And he's like, he just kind of, he wanted to tell this story and was like ready to just like do anything. And like, I think one, one, one of the moments that, that really proves that in this film is the fact he downs five eggs like, <laughs> yeah that yeah, that's yeah. a guy that's a guy yeah. who really wants an <laughs> acting career right there yeah yeah i saw a, a documentary recently about rocky it was like the 40 40th 40 years of rocky or something mm -hmm. documentary it's only like 30 minutes um it's pretty good because it has like slice alone basically just narrating a long top of like over top of uh eight millimeter footage that john g Avison was shooting of the film yeah um like well in the background just like test footage and stuff and he was just sort of talking about all these sort of things and that he was doing and stuff and i found it like pretty fascinating just sort of how he just took so many chances like sliced alone like just you know he, he's like a nobody he doesn't have like the credentials and stuff and he's just he's just like oh i'd like to you know learn all my lines as quick as i can and have a big like you know repertoire lines in my head and stuff and i just like go out and i just like you know just go at it try really hard to like remember what i have but also try to ad lib and all that sort of stuff around it and he's just like you know i had no right to do that but you know you have like burgess meredith there who was just like yeah cool let's let's yeah. do it kid you know and he's just like on board and he's just like yeah that guy was such a pro because he like let me kind of get away with that it's also like stories he was talking about like how he like he was just not digging the choreography um the guy who was doing like trying mm -hmm. to teach the boxing choreography and he's just like this this i don't want to do like 
one punch here, you punch me, I punch you, you punch me sort of thing. Like, that's boring. Like, that's not like what a boxing match yeah, is yeah. like. And he basically just pissed the guy off enough until the dude just quit. And then he just, <laughs> <laughs> and he was just like, all right, I guess I'm going to have to train people how to, because like at the end of the movie, you see his name is like the boxing coordinator yeah. or, or choreographer. And it's just like, what? And he, he even says, he's like, I didn't know anything about boxing. <laughs> you know, like, so you see this like footage. They're just like literally testing out everything, like laying out all the, the like, you know, the fights and stuff, him and Carl Weathers. And like, he has his brother there, like helping him and all these other yeah. like boxers and stuff who are like just there to basically help train them. and shot all this footage that never got used like you know matches that rocky was supposed to be watching of apollo creed and I, there's so much to this film i feel like there's like probably like plethora of like like shots and scenes and all this sort of sort of stuff that you would never see like that would make this film even bigger and crazier yeah uh, it's also what's kind of good about it is it's not that long which is yeah, yeah well it's kind of like what it's like two hours and it's like it doesn't overstay its welcome at all. Yeah, exactly. Like, as I said earlier, like you need, you need that kind of like that time with Rocky, and you need to see him and Adrian going ice skating. You kind of like, you need the like moments in the bar and like exchanges with the local people, and that that scene yeah. with like walking yeah. Marie home, and it's like, for me, like that's a really pivotal moment in the film because like yeah, you kind of see how like browbeaten he is, despite the fact he's kind of this like. The, the film opens up he wins a boxing match yes yeah. but, but still like people like people just shit all over him. yeah they wouldn't <laughs> yeah. Even, they wouldn't spit on him if he was on fire yeah and like, yeah and there's great humor there's like like watching it again for a, like a second time today there's a moment like when he's like because he's just always like joking about with people as well and there's that guy um guy playing paul in the bar and like he's like oh have you seen have you seen so-and-so? And he's like, yeah, how's he doing? He's like, he's doing good. He's doing better than you. And like takes the <laughs> pool ball away. And then there's just like a shot of the guy lining his ball back up, goes to take yeah. the shot and he chips the white ball off the table. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I remember seeing that. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah. And it's like that. It's just this weird thing. It's like kitchen sink drama, but then it's got this like element of like, oddball comedy to it yeah like, there's Rocky's... a lot of like weird lines like mm. it's it's similar to like jaws you know like those weird like <laughs> sort of folksy sort of <laughs> jokes that you hear in jaws and stuff that are like kind of funny but they're like also very strange <laughs> like <laughs> well, it's just like rocky and it, it captures that thing of like being nervous on a date as well because like yeah. every time he's like speaking to adrian he's just kind of run in his mouth and like the biggest load of bullshit yeah, he's ever yeah, had. Yeah. he just kind of go like hey you know about birds uh it looks like candy these birds <laughs> looks like looks like candy but they're flying around it's like what is it like what is he going on <laughs> about but at the, <laughs> the same time it's like this guy this guy's captivating it's like you just yeah you just feel for him but uh before we go on do you mind giving us some of the plot for this film what's that just in mm. case people haven't seen it Obviously, we have this guy, Rocky. He's he's literally a punching bag for everyone. Like you said, he's he starts the film. He's like he gets uh he gets like it's it's like a really nasty 
fight in a club, you know, in a, a like a small club fight. You know, he's like just like a he's a he's a joke of a boxer to everyone really, and he just has to like, you know, just deal with so much shit from everyone. Mm-hmm. He's uh literally called punchy punchy rocky you know so he's not like he's obviously like been fighting a lot he's not the smartest guy uh he's somehow managed to you know go his entire boxing career without breaking his nose and you know that's gonna come back at the end of course that's one of my favorite things when films do things like like oh he's never broken his nose and you're like oh he's gonna get his nose broken it's gonna happen. yeah it's gonna happen check check off nose <laughs> but uh but yeah no uh so yeah he he's he's a bit of a joke of a person around philly as well everyone just kind of thinks he's a joke they laugh at him behind his back uh he's he but he's so nice he's such a nice person uh he has this friend named paulie who's who's uh who's sister is the woman that he loves named adrian she works at a pet shop and he just goes in and tells bad jokes every day and he's just like he's in love with her but meanwhile there's apollo creed the world heavyweight champion he's the greatest boxer to ever live he's the greatest showman to ever live (laughs) and he is about to have the biggest fight in philadelphia for end it was for the turn of i guess it's what the 200th anniversary of America, 1976. Uh, so it was mm-hmm. going to be the big New Year's Eve or New Year's fight or New Year's Day, Philadelphia, where uh, they signed the Declaration of Independence. Biggest fight. And the guy that he's supposed to fight can't fight. So mm-hmm. they can't find a replacement. And Apollo Creed gets the idea. Hey, how about I'll fight a local person? And flips through mm-hmm. a book, finds Rocky's name. The bomb. I want. I want to know what that book is. It's like a, a yellow pages for yeah. boxers, and he's kind of goes through. And it's like, I don't know, it's like it's like he's on Tinder for boxers. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like swipe left. Italian Sterling. He gets wide eyed, doesn't he? Yeah. It? Like the Italian Sterling. He's like, I could see it now. It's like, he's like he's very like he's Carl Weathers. Like let's oh, talk so about Carl Weathers. He's amazing. And he said, like, when he went in for an audition, he was reading against Sylvester Stallone. And um, he wasn't sure how it was going because, like, Sylvester Stallone kind of looked at him and then John G. Avildsen was sat on the sofa and then kind of started laughing a bit and got, like, kind of paranoid and just blurted out. He went, well, if you actually get me a proper actor to to work against, like, maybe I'll do better in the audition. And he said, like, (laughs) Sylvester Stallone, never mentioned that the whole time they worked together oh wow <laughs> and he had like blagged to them as well they were like can you box and he was like yeah of course i could box like yeah. this is the 70s obviously like you can you could say anything yeah like, no nobody one's... can actually check it check it out yeah like... but so, he and then he was like a football linebacker though right so he had like mm-hmm. he had some very very good credentials like he was a proper athlete so i mean <laughs> He's amazing in this film. It's really yeah. funny. I was watching it with my wife, and we were just kind of like sitting there, um, and I was just talking about how amazing Creed is because she's not seen all these films, and she was like, you know, enjoying it, but was sort of like, you know, oh, like is is he actually that important? And I was like, he is so important. Apollo Creed is so important, and she was like, yeah, but he's not really in this much. And I was like, he's not in this one much, 
like because they oh. build up and it's so perfect how they build him up because like yeah yeah you could have him in it a lot more because he's a great character and it wouldn't take away from the film but i think it like adds so much for him to have this sort of like rocky looks at him as like he is like the world champion and he's like i don't deserve like he thinks when he's going in to like go like he gets called in you know and that's one of my favorite scenes in this film like he gets called in and uh by the promoter named miles jurgens uh played by <laughs> thayer david he, and he he's in the office and this guy tells him he's like listen like you know we've pulled your name and you like the the world champion wants to have a match with you and he's like oh i'll be a good sparring partner like you know he, he just yeah, thinks yeah. it's a sparring thing and he's like no no rocky like you're you're gonna face him for the world heavyweight title and his face and the camera just like zooms in on him and you just hear like miles jurgens this promoter talking but it starts getting all muffled and it's like you're with rocky in that moment my skin starts mm -hmm. crawling that like scene because it's just the shot on his face and he's just like holy shit I'm going to face the world champion. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we kind of get a glimpse into like what the world think about him because yeah. we get that moment where he's on TV and like it just feels like you get that sense. And by this point, you're really on board with Rocky. Yeah. And like you just hate the fact that everyone's kind of like, he, even like he's standing right there, they're kind of poking fun yeah. at him. Yeah, yeah. And like it's just this kind of like, he is just like this average guy and like he does what like a lot of people would probably do if they're on tv just goes yo adrian <laughs> it's me rocky yeah. <laughs> and yeah. this is um to like kind of backtrack on it there's like tons of phrases he uses in this that just like i absolutely love it's uh, that scene where he's walking marie home and he's like uh he refers to well, Frank St Stallone, his brother and his mates who kind of hang about <laughs> yeah. on the corner. And he just, yeah. him, he just calls them uh, coconut, the coconuts on the corner. And he kind of yeah. goes like, if, if, you, if you hang around with coconuts, you get coconuts. If you hang around with good people, you get good people. If you hang around with yo-yos, you get yo-yos. <laughs> it's, like, it, it's that kind of stuff that's super endearing yeah. about the character of Rocky. Cause it's, and and it, it's a real testament to, I guess, I would imagine a lot of that would be ad-libbed. I know that, like, a lot of the stuff, is, I think you mentioned, like, between him and Burgess Meredith, like, the the kind of... I think, yeah, one of the key lines that was ad-libbed was when uh, Burgess Meredith turns around to him and says, like, you thought of retiring? <laughs> he's like, no. He's like, well, you should. And it's <laughs> yeah. like, like that's, that, 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 that's, that's great. But um, yeah. what do you think of the character of Paulie in this? like Burt Young's kind of portrayal of, of Paulie. All right, so Burt Young is amazing in this film, but yes. Paulie is the... Oh, he's so horrible. <laughs> he's so horrible. <laughs> he is such a, like, a little curmudgeon. Like, um, he's... He's like... It's funny. He's one of the only people throughout the film, for the most part, who is actually sort of on Rocky's side. Like, because mm -hmm. he's friends with Rocky. Like... They don't really explain how they know each other and stuff, and you don't really need to know, I guess, but you kind of get the idea. They've, they've probably been, like, palling about for a while. But at the same time, he's, like, the first person to do what everyone starts to do after Rocky gets gets the uh, the match. Uh, but Paulie was doing it before. So, all right, so Rocky, like, 
like I said, he's a punching bag. Every like he's literally like the personification of like Rodney Dangerfield's like I get no respect routine because no one mm-hmm. respects him, and like everyone like just shits on him behind his back and stuff. Like I said, and and Paulie's like always there, and Paulie just like wants to be like because Rocky's like a he's 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 the muscle for a, like basically like I guess a bookie or like a mob guy. Yeah. Like he he's although he's kind of out of his element when he's doing that because he's too nice. He doesn't have, like, a mean streak. He wears these goofy glasses and stuff when he's taking <laughs> these notes, and he has to take notes because he's, like, kind of dumb and he can't, like, remember things. So, so yeah, like, and Paulie wants in on that, and it's, like, Rocky's just sort of, like, yo, too nice and sort of, like, no, 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 you want to stay, do what you do. You know, you got a good thing here. You're working in the meat and stuff. And, um, yeah, so Paulie's, like, sort of friends with him. But, like, he's also trying to get stuff out of him. And it's the same thing where Rocky, like, makes it. He becomes the contender. And, like, everyone wants to ride off his coattails after that. And Polly's been doing it the whole time. But Polly's just, like, he's so opportunistic and wants to, like, like grind it up a gear, you know. But it's almost like Rocky's just so nice that he doesn't even tell everyone to fuck off. Like, you know, easily you could just be like, dude, you're just he's just trying to like you know ride my coattails man but fuck you know but he's too nice there's obviously like uh well probably not a theory is um just a point of view that paulie is the real villain of the entire rocky franchise (laughs) yeah yeah i mean everything everything bad that (laughs) happens in this series paulie's responsible rocky (laughs) lose like Spoiler for the later ones, but he loses all of his money eventually, and Paulie's responsible for it. Bad investments. Yeah. 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 yeah but, but, like, there's kind of two, like, key... Well, no, like, he... Like, Burt Young really gets to kind of, like, show what he can do in this film. He gets yeah. some really juicy scenes Definitely. with... I was going to say meaty, but that feels a bit too <laughs> on the nose. Uh, <laughs> he gets, like... And I think the first one where you kind of, like... Your ears prick up, and you want you pay attention to Burt Young. Is that that's it? Well, just his introduction as well. Again, it kind of like goes back to that thing of comedy. You kind of see him like you don't see his face for a while. He's combing his hair, and then he pulls on this little like fisherman's <laughs> yeah. cap, and it's like, why are you wasting all that time? Uh, but the yeah the the Thanksgiving scene, yeah, like when he's he's invited Rocky over to take Adrian out for a date, and it's it's kind of bizarre because obviously like. It's like, does he want the best for his sister or does he just want her out of his hair? And he just like, he explodes, right? And like, <laughs> kind of like, and I know Burt Young, like, to kind of get in character, he'd rub his hands with turpentine and like, he would he would get vermouth, and like rub it on his neck. So he kind of, he felt dirty and his hands hurt, basically. Oh, man. And he had this idea that Paulie would be arthritic because he's kind of like, working in the meat packing yeah. district he's yeah. like he's got he's he's always like he's always a bit like hunched over isn't it he's kind of like and it, it very much plays to the fact that he's like a beaten down man and he is also yeah. like he, he, he works a physical job but that and that scene uh, on thanksgiving when he grabs the turkey out of the oven again that was that was something that kind of burt young just just did like just like, <laughs> kind of like grab that turkey out there. and it's it's terrifying yeah right? yeah he's like oh god he's so he's really good in that role because he yeah he is like just horrible to adrian and horrible to rocky at times as well and like he's just like 
like you said, I guess he is like a beaten man. Like, cause he's a, he's like a guy who, you know, just, he blames everyone for his mis misfortunes and, his, and, you know, he's like not amounted to anything or he's like, doesn't mm-hmm. respect where he's gotten to or whatever. And he thinks no one else has given him any respect or love and stuff. And he's just like, takes it out on everyone. And it's just like a horrible character. <laughs> like he's just a horrible mm-hmm. person. Um, but yeah, I mean, like the way he treats Adrian is just, just horrific. Like, like I can't believe she put up with so much. But I think that's what's also beautiful about this film is just like, because it's such a coming out party for Adrian. Like, it's mm-hmm. like literally seeing someone come out of their shell and stuff. Um, I think like in that Forty Years of Rocky documentary thing, like uh, Sly Stallone talked, like you know the the image where she's basically there in her red suit and she brings Buckkiss with her and stuff and he yeah. calls it basically like her Cinderella moment that was like her like everyone finally getting to see like how beautiful and stuff she is and that was like what Rocky saw the whole time you know and it's her coming out of her shell and stuff it's like a really good story like because Adrian's just as important to this film as you know Sly Stallone is to yeah being Rocky you know she's like really she grounds him so much as well you know like it's a very important yeah. character and obviously by this point in uh talia shire's career she would have already been an oscar nominated like actress for the godfather part two mm. and then like now like th- this under her belt as well but like she says something really interesting about sliced alone that she called him like a very strange creature, <laughs> but said like they had this like instant chemistry. Like, which that that's like her first impression of him, right? Because he, I guess, like nobody knew who he was when they were like introduced to him the first time. And uh, one of the studio heads like mistook somebody else, assumed he was Sylvester Stallone, and they're like. Oh yeah, it's this blonde-haired, blue-eyed guy. He's attractive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll fund the film if he's going to be the star and the kind of like the the producers. Um, Irvin, I will get it this time. Trust me. Uh, Irvin, uh, Irvin Winkler and Gene Kirkwood, and yeah, and Robert Chartoff, like kind of went along with it. So like, well, we need to get this film made, and if they want to think that this uh, blonde-eyed uh, blonde-haired, blue-eyed guy is Sylvester Stallone. We'll we'll let them think that. But <laughs> she, yeah, she described their relationship and like the kind of the way they work together, like like ballet partners, uh, yeah. like like dance partners, because they really do like complement each other. Definitely, like, yeah. She's quite like the way she holds herself is quite like small and stuff like that, and like and then Rocky is like intimidating but like i don't know they're kind of like they fit they perfectly fit together like yeah. yin and yang they're yeah kind of yeah like, they're, they're both they're both again it's this is a story of of broken people like obviously like striving for more and like yeah we get that thing from that uh thanksgiving scene that she's just had to basically put up with paulie for a whole life yeah i mean kind of basically just like says oh you want to be an old maid you want to be an old maid you know just because she's like what 30 like in 31 i can't remember what he says it's like very young very young yeah but it's like she's an old maid because she's still living with you and putting up with your shit so that's like when you get the great like turn for her which is 
amazing. She just like turns on him finally and she just confronts him and just like, you know, tells him like, hey, you know, like I do everything for you and I put up with your shit, you know, all the time. Mm-hmm. I do I clean for you. I cook for you. I do your laundry. Who would do all that if I wasn't doing it? And like, you're just, you know, always putting this on me, but you just don't think about like, you know, what I do for you and how important I am for you. And, you know, it's it's such a, like a great moment when she stands up for herself, you know, and Paul, like he's, Burt Young's amazing in that scene as well. Cause he's like drunk yeah. and just like, you know, mentally just like beaten and just like upset and just crying. And like, it's, oh man, such an incredible like performance between those two as well. Um, and like Rocky just being like what everyone would be in that situation, just kind of like lewd in the background, just sort of like, oh mm-hmm. shit, um, witnessing. Oh, this is ooh. <laughs> ooh, yeah, but, okay. <laughs> both times he's kind of privy to them two arguing. It's you just get that feeling of like being in the back of a car uh, <laughs> when you're a kid and like your 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 friend's parents are having a go at them. Yeah, and then you're just like dreading that moment that your friend turns around and goes like, Petrus's mum lets him do that. Yeah, yeah. And you get that with Rocky when <laughs> when Paul is like, go speak to her, go speak to her, Rock. And yeah. he's like, hey, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to do it. I, I feel stupid talking <laughs> to a door. Like, I've never talked to a door before. Um, but before we get on to the second half of kind of how this film plays out, just I, I feel we'd be like, yeah, it'd be dumb of us not to mention uh, Tony Gazzo and his kind of stooge that he's always going on, uh, <laughs> going about with. Because yeah. like, that guy, I just want to say right now, his kind of driver. Fuck that guy. Yeah, that guy's he's an just asshole. Like, <laughs> he's <laughs> such an asshole. Yeah, oh, I've already name dropped Joe Spinell, uh, Gazzo. So Joe Spinell, I mean, like Jesus, what a legend. I always forget he's in this film as well. And yeah, like you. This like that's the thing like when I said earlier about how this film could be so gritty and stuff because like Joe Spinell I mean he was in like Maniac like uh, the lead of Maniac and that's all right so if if you if you know Elijah Wood he did a film a few years back called Maniac go check mm-hmm. out the 70s version of it with Joe Spinell and he's like it's so gritty it's <laughs> oh it's terrifying like just 70s just hard just gross like new york oh. and uh he's so nice in this film it's like i'm just th- saying like if if you think it's like this gritty 70s film that guy could easily just like you know he gives rocky money and stuff and it's just like hey go have a nice time you know with that girl you're going out with and and then it's just like he could very easily have just like come back and been collecting money or wanting to kill rocky mm-hmm. or something you know it's like Rocky's like hanging out with some really suspect people, but somehow I, doesn't affect him. So I feel like this film in the wrong hands, like written by somebody else, there's like a really crap B plot where like <laughs> like kind of he puts pressure on Rocky to like throw, throw the, fight the fight for like, yeah. for like a, a, a big payout. Like yeah. there's like a whole there's a whole B plot of that yeah. that's just like really unnecessary yeah. just to like unnecessarily ramp up the tension because as this film proves by the time we get to the end like i'm not sure how you feel about it but like i don't give a fuck about the outcome of the fight yeah i'd like yeah it's when when rocky gives that speech and he's like all i want to do 
just go the distance. Yeah. It's like nobody's nobody's ever gone the distance of Apollo Creed. It's like that. Well, that's all I fucking want, man. That's yeah. all I want for you is for you to go the distance. And uh, yeah, I think that's the way that it's so beautifully done with this film because they they've they've set things up. Like I was joked about earlier, the broken nose thing, but they they set they cleverly set that up as well earlier about like no one's ever gone the distance with him and that's all he really wants to do. And you've like literally he's been browbeaten the entire film and like made to look like a joke in front of everyone. But all he wants to do is just to not be a joke. He wants to do what he loves to do, which is box. That's the only thing he really kind of knows. That's the only thing he mm-hmm. seems to really be good at is like being able to take some punishment and being able to <laughs> deliver some back. Um and you know, he, he, he's like, he's not even like the greatest boxer, but he's, it's funny because like how Rocky is like one of the best boxers in film history, you know, like he's yeah. like one, he's the go-to name, you know, like if you're thinking about movie boxers, but like, he's just doesn't know how to keep his hands up. He doesn't have good, like uh coordination. <laughs> uh He has to learn continuously throughout the whole series but i think that's what makes this series and this film so important is just like how he like is so determined and he, he's like wants it so bad and that's like adds up into that whole like think of him being the ultimate underdog and how important it is that like when you finally get to that moment they've been building it up so nicely like that it pays off so nicely and like you said you don't even care that he doesn't win you know well i i think there's like a sub oh, it's not even a subtext this film it's just the text of this film that it's about the american dream right and that yeah, everybody yeah, yeah. That everybody has their chance even if even if they they lose the fight like there is that thing that they can get up another day mm-hmm. and like still strive to to make something of themselves yeah. in, in america and that is very much like well it's, it's woven into it it's like as you said, like the fight happens on like the day, like the kind of the day the Declaration of Independence is signed. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, and I think uh, that's Apollo Creed's like kind of like big market marketing strategy for yeah. it. Like, it's like the, the, uh, the, the, <laughs> the country was founded by an Italian. It was like, we need somebody of that lineage. Like it's, you can just <laughs> yeah. see the dollar sign rolling in his eyes. Yeah. And, uh, what's going But before we get to, talking about like when things really start to ramp up and he starts to starts to get training just wanted to talk about um two pivotal scenes really one of them is that kind of when rocky gets adrian back to his apartment like <laughs> and, like what, what do you like, I, I feel yeah i feel like we kind of need to talk about that because I, yeah. I feel like there is a reading of that scene, especially now from 2021 eyes, mm. that like it could be problematic. What's your what's your thoughts on that scene? Yeah, man, that's what I've said a couple of times. I feel like you could you could go a weird way. Mm-hmm. You know, this film could have gone some weird ways, but they didn't. But that scene in particular is a bit strange. I think it's just like it's everything about his apartment as well and Rocky, like you know. He's like a weird guy who, if you look at him some way, he can be creepy. But if you look at him another way, you can just see that he's almost just like a big nerd and as inexperienced as Adrian is. And he just doesn't, he's like out of his element, but he's like, he's handling it a different way than Adrian is. Like Adrian is like in a shell and she's like closed up and she's like, like very timid and afraid of like opening herself up to people but rocky like his defense mechanism is to talk 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 Mm -hmm. and 
like be a chatterbox because he doesn't know what else to do because he's like nervous. But that scene is is really weird because I mean he's got like his mattress like just that he punches, but it's like <laughs> it's like bayonet stab to like stab through yeah. it, like keeping it on the wall. And it's like really <laughs> creepy, dingy apartment. Um, it's it's really creepy. And like he just comes on her so strong, and it's just like, oh, it gets a bit sort of almost rapey. It's kind of strange. Like she's kind of yeah, saying no. She kind of wants to leave. Oh. <laughs> well, that's like, yeah, I think it's that thing that like, I don't know. I almost like look at it like that's how he thinks like a guy should behave. Mm-hmm. I, feel, I feel like he is just this kind of like inexperienced guy, and it's like, yeah, he do, he doesn't really know what he's doing. Obviously, like there's stuff that looks like he's like pulling moves but it's such a naivety to him like when he takes his top off like he's in that vest and he's like <laughs> yeah, it's really hot it's, in here yeah. like, it is like it's yeah. that thing like it's like if someone's really smooth and knows what they're doing it's like yeah that that that's a creepy move but for, for rocky from what we've seen of him up until that point it's a bit you kind of get the thing that like that is what like do you know what I mean like even the way like he, when she says like oh I, I need to call like home and like he says i <laughs> i haven't got a phone she's like kind of like why and he's like but, oh people just kept calling it he's like I, I, I don't need that and then he's like i'll call paulie for you just like sticks his head out the window <laughs> yeah. and it's it kind of yeah. shows you how bleak his existence yeah it's the fact that you look out of his window and there is just a brick wall and it's like that Shut is like the that that's like one of those things you see like I don't know like really dud properties like you get an advice article or something like that where it's yeah. like uh I always one for one thousand five hundred pound a month for this <laughs> flat that like over this onto a brick wall. Yeah. Yeah, I always like get the vibe that like that's there's like a good reason why his neighbors probably hate him. Like, you know, the people in the neighborhood are always I mean, because this dude like literally is pulling moves, like shouting out windows that, you know, in front of a girl like is a is it he thinks is funny or is impressing her or whatever. Um, And then he's like having these fights with, you know, I'm sure we'll probably talk about Mickey and stuff and just shouting and punching i mean he probably talks to himself all the time i'm sure he's probably like a very annoying neighbor <laughs> well yeah we, we we get that first scene where he comes home from that fight and he's just in there talking to uh cuff and link his turtle yeah and it's like he's probably doing that shit all the time yeah. right he's probably there going like hey you had a good day uh, i had a good fight you should have been there buddy and it's like you're probably thinking like who the like the guy in flat B is really <laughs> fucking going to town, like just chatting some shit. And that's like, yeah, Lee, yeah. You, you, you set it up perfectly. Like that's the scene I really wanted to talk about was that that scene when Mickey comes to see it. But I think that's a real, yeah. real pivotal moment in this film, right? Yeah. Again, it's someone who I think uh, doesn't take Rocky seriously. I mean, they they set that up really nicely as well, where Mickey, like, obviously, you know, tells him like, you know, you gotta. You could have been great, but you you wasted your time, you know, doing this dirty work, you know, because he's he's working for this bookie or mobster guy, and you know he Mickey doesn't respect that, and Mickey obviously like sees so much promise and potential in Rocky. Um, he himself, a former boxer who never made it to the big match, and he always wanted the big match, and you know he is he's very much like a, like I said, like a lot of these people who 
it's it's funny like watching this scene like watching that film again and watching that scene where he comes up and he like has that really heartfelt moment where he's trying to open up to Rocky and explain all this stuff and Rocky fair fair good on him to basically tell him to fuck off because like he didn't want anything to do with him and all he does is just come up when like the opportunity is right for him to be Rocky's manager. Rocky yeah. would have loved he wanted him to be his manager for so many years and he just didn't want anything to do with him and then like when the opportunity is right, like, you know, Mickey's there. And it's funny how, like, important Mickey is to Rocky and how forgiving Rocky is. Like, how he just goes back outside after he's, like, just told him to fuck off, basically, and, like, just, just cursing him and, you know, just talking about, like, how he was never there for him and screaming and punching his bag, like, punching his mattress on his wall and just getting really pissed off and, and punching doors or whatever. <laughs> he's just listening to it as he just walks out. And then he just like runs after him. And it's just kind of funny. Like I forget that it's, it goes down that way, but it's just like, that's just who Rocky is. He's like so yeah. nice and forgiving and like, you know, just wants to, I don't know. I mean, he knows as well. He needs to help, but it's like, yeah. he's smart. That, he is smart in some respects. That monologue he does, you know, he's like, it stinks. Stinks. Why have you you come around here ten years? It's because it stinks. That's that's improvised. Yeah. Oh wow! Like, c- yeah, because like that that <laughs> apartment is in uh, was actually filmed in L.A. Yeah, like, the interior yeah. of that apartment. Yeah, and like it it was like a flop house, <laughs> and it actually did stink. <laughs> so I think it was like part of Sylvester Stallone going like, like and it is it, it it's in keeping with what Rocky like would say, and it's kind of like it just it really fits well, and it's. The, a, a bit that kind of makes me laugh is when uh, he like kind of storms off into the bathroom and then like he thinks Mickey's left. But <laughs> he's, forgot his, he, he's forgot his hat and he kind of like comes out and like looks at him. Then just like <laughs> goes back into the yeah. bathroom and it's like, what, like yeah. what's he kind of, what, like, is he just like kind of standing there behind the door with his arms crossed like a, a stroppy kid? And then obviously yeah. he has that monologue and you kind of think because it, keeps cutting to Mickey on the stairs and you think, oh yeah, he's probably like just listening to it. But then it like cuts back again and Mickey's like actually outside the house now. And it's like, he's get, he's actually given up. He's gone like, right, like, and I guess Rocky kind of thing is that thing like, Mickey knows, Mickey Mickey knows that he, he has fucked up. Like he yeah. kind of, all that time he could have, he could have been there and like you get it early on like he gives away his locker to somebody else mm. who who's actually the actor stan shaw um who turns around to him and he's like hey rocky really like your locker <laughs> and like uh, yeah, he, he, yeah. Like, it's kind of like a really early role for him and yeah like, yeah I, I really do think you get a sense that mickey knows he's fucked up and it, rocky's got that forgiving aspect to him where he's like i'm i'm got like I've come back here, you old, yeah. you old, you old bastard. Do you know what I mean? I'm sorry, Mickey. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> Which, yeah, kind of like brings us up to the point when things start to ramp up, right? We start, we, it's when we get the, uh, like, punctured by the line when uh, Mickey says to Rocky, you're going to eat lightning and crab thunder. And then it's <laughs> like, cue the Bill Conti score because we're getting into a montage. Go. Yeah, and um, so what? What things did you pick out of the? Did you pick out any things in the montage? What What kind of things does Rocky do to prepare for this fight? Uh, 
when does he start the eggs? <laughs> the eggs. That's that's not during the montage, is it? That's early. Yeah, that, that's earlier. That's yeah, like that's just the, him the, getting the up. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of running. Uh, he's yeah. So they 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 do the the interesting thing with him and like tying his feet together basically to to like better his like foot coordination and there's a lot of but yeah his his main main go to is definitely cardio. Um, you get a you get some good punching bag like some good stuff like that like the speed bag. Uh, you get the yeah. one armed one one arm push ups. ups. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which possibly has like uh given the best like clip ever is when like he finishes them and look like looks over oh, yeah, the off sexy. camera <laughs> yeah. and like just does a thumbs up and yeah. I think like it's it's available as a gif if anybody yeah. wants to use that because it's it's fantastic and you kind of get that guy who's like unnamed who who eventually is in his corner as well. He's like kind of throwing like a medicine ball to him. Oh yeah, like yeah, and yeah. The, and obviously Rocky's famous for his like unorthodox way of training which is yeah. punching the meat and you get that in um, yeah there's that news news like clip when <laughs> again like there is just so moments of things. brilliant humor in this when you got yeah. paul paulie just like poking his head into frame whilst they're yeah. doing like the 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 news interview and stuff like yeah that. and but, goofy um, rocky actually doesn't like <laughs> he doesn't sh- just like not he doesn't ignore it he just goes like, oh, my friend Bolly back there. He he lets me come in and hit the meat. Uh, yes. Oh man, it, it, this film in just like this series in general, but like this film, I guess started it, and it doesn't even have like the best montage of the Rocky series, obviously. But like, uh, it, it sets the standard for what a film montage, especially in the eighties, like would become like, or for like action films or like, um. I don't know, like these underdog stories and stuff, because obviously, like John G. Alvinson would go on to direct the, the Karate Kid series, which yeah. is like Rocky for ah, kids, yeah, yeah. epic. <laughs> um, and yeah, he would use the montages in there, and I mean, of course, you would have like you know South Park and stuff, just just like making fun of montages because of films like this. But like, mm-hmm. it becomes like a like a joke of a thing. But this film really set the tone and the standard. I mean, obviously, we have like the Steadicam as well like yeah. rocky's running through with this he's got his dog butkus uh which adrian gifts him in this really sweet moment uh which is actually his dog right like he he's he like yeah. i, I was already he, he sold it or was going to sell it or did sell it like because he that, was so broke how, yeah that's how <laughs> broke he was he couldn't afford to feed it and it's it's kind of weird with animals with this film so after the film uh finished he he just kept cuff and link the turtles <laughs> he just nice. like sylvester stallone owned them and it's throughout this series there's weird there's weird things that it's either stuff in real life that rocky had and he's like i'm gonna bring that into this and i'll i'll get into it in, in a lot of depth in in the uh rocky four episode <laughs> but like that that robot like, oh yeah was re- really good for kids with autism and one of Sylvester Stallone's kids had autism, so that oh wow, that mm. he just wanted to promote that robot. Oh, that's really sweet. Re- yeah, yeah. So, yeah. but then obviously, like now, wants to get rid of the robot in like the apparently it's going to be like a thirty-five year Rocky Four re-edit that he's been work like that's been Sylvester Stallone's lockdown project, and it's like <laughs> we're not going to get the beautiful love story of Paulie and his robot. Oh, um, come on, that's that's can't take that. <laughs> 
away from us. But yeah, no, I mean the 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 dog though, and him running with the dog is like just a good shot. And he, like obviously we build up to him like getting up the stairs, no problem. Mm-hmm. Like I mean that's that's the epic sort of thing about this film. Like we've said already, it's like he can't do it at first, and then he finally gets it, and it's like you know he's ready and stuff. And we have that amazing, amazing like steady cam with him running, and I think it was like they wanted the audience to feel like you're running with Rocky. You like when he's running along the river and then he finally gets like to the steps of the art museum in Philadelphia and he runs up and yeah, it was 1976. So it was like the first year that uh, film started to use the Steadicam, I guess the like year before um, was it bound for glory was the first film mm-hmm. that would use it. It was like created by Garrett Brown who happened to live in Philly. So it was kind of like, you know, um, very, very like, uh, serendipitous that he would be they would film in Philly and they could use it and stuff and it's one of the first films to use it and it's such a groundbreaking technique like because they were just yeah. like yo we we're like on a you know following Rocky on a on a bus or or something or a car or truck or something and like the camera would be bobbling but like with the steady cam you know it's just like so smooth and you're just like running yeah. right with it so it's really awesome scenes once I knew that, like, I kind of started looking at the film as to, like, what it was doing with the steady cam. And there's that, like, there's just, like, really great shots. And I guess, like, I can only think of it, like, at the time, what that would have been like for people to, to see this for the first time. I guess it would have been, like, when the that first film of, like, train coming into the station where you're just like, whoa, what the fuck? Because <laughs> yeah. like, like, it's like, we, we haven't kind of, like, been in with the characters and... Uh, yeah, Garrett Brown talks about how when it, you first go into the meat locker and the kind of camera is just weaving through these like slabs of meat. Yeah, those like are really that. cool. Like, and Polly starts sh- pushing them and stuff and they're just yeah. like moving in front and stuff. That's a really like cool scene, yeah. And then you have like John T. Avildsen for like a lot of the other stuff was operating the camera himself and there's like really interesting stuff. Like he was on the bonnet of the car when there's that scene of... Uh, rocky in tony gazzo's like car uh, okay, like yeah. and he, he's in the back seat and then there's that really beautiful thing when he goes into the pet shop at one point and like the camera just kind of drifts away from them but then like catches their reflection in a mirror and he said, oh yeah like, yeah he wouldn't have ever got that shot if he wasn't operating the camera because like, i just kind of like saw that there's this mirror and thought well, let's let let's try it and like I feel I feel like all that kind of stuff like adds to it, and it feels like everybody involved was yeah. like yeah. really into what they were doing. And yeah, yeah Garrett, Garrett Brown with the Steadicam stuff is just like it's it's fan it's like it's fantastic it's fantastic, and obviously would would go on to just kind of like revolutionize cinema like filmmaking. Absolutely, from, from I that, mean from that day on. I mean, once you have a piece of equipment like that and you give it to like people like Stanley Kubrick and then mm-hmm. Ryan De Palma, I mean, like The Shining and Blowout are like films that are incredible examples of what you could do. And it's nice that like Rocky sort of was a film that sort of paved the way for the use of the Steadicam. And then you have, you know, those films that just show you exactly the kind of techniques that you can do when you have something like the Steadicam. It's like, yeah, it's a really, really cool piece of equipment. And um, yeah, it just makes the film like just special as well. Like, I mean, like, like you said, it's just like everyone sort of had their like 
like they were really involved, really invested into this. And like, you know, when I was talking about earlier about like Ableton, like, you know, filming all this stuff on eight millimeter, like he's like filming it while they're like just rehearsing and stuff. And he had all this footage and it was able, like he in like Sly Stallone was saying like, oh yeah, you like go back like to the ice skating rink, you know, and they're just like on their date and stuff. Like he like filmed all that and it was all like almost mirrored the exact same shot that was with the actual 35 millimeter cameras when they were actually filming the scene because he was just like had them testing it and all that like the rehearsals and just like going around and he knew what he wanted like and then he would get it when he went to actually shoot it so well that scene of them two going on a date originally was written to be a restaurant and then got like rewritten because like i think john g avildson said to sylvester slow like nobody wants to see two people sat at a dinner table in a film yeah. And then it was kind of written to be like at an ice rink with a bunch of extras, with... right? Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, they, like then they went, people. <laughs> we got no budget for extras. Yeah. And then like again, it's a it's a lovely happy accident because like it brings out this like you get that roguish charm of Rocky as well that he's like there, like he's slightly disparaging to to uh, Adrian, but like kind of just to get get what he wants because he kind of says to guy. Hey man, she's sick. She the <laughs> the doctor said she's she's got to get some exercise. Get her out on the ice, and he's like he's willing to like bribe his way. And you, I don't know, it it plays very much to his like innocence and charm. Yeah, he's like he's he's there bartering with the guy as well. He's like yeah, eight but eight bucks, and the guy's <laughs> like no, no nine bucks. You got to do. And he's like it's it's Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean Rocky kind of comes off like. I mean, we talked talked about this a little bit with the kind of weird scene. I mean, very weird scene in, in his apartment with Adrian. But yeah. it's like, you know, he's he's like a 14-year-old, you know? And he's just like, he doesn't know yeah. what to do. And this is another example of him, like, being out of his element. Like, he's running running with her because he, he's not going to skate. And he's just like, she's awkward. She's not talking much. So he's doing all the talking. But he's just talking about boxing and stuff. And she's, like, humbling him. She's like... Yeah. she's you know she's she's like you know uh she's going along but like sorry not humbling humoring she's humoring him uh she's going along with it and it's like it's a bit of a uh it's a funny scene like you know um because <laughs> like he's just talking nonsense about boxing and he's like oh, yeah do it because i you know it's like, I like it like, uh, it's the yeah. thing i like to do and she's just like well why why do you like boxing <laughs> like it's just like <laughs> it's just really funny it's like two people who have so much and then so little in common like yeah it's a really interesting dynamic <laughs> yeah it, it's, it is that thing that they're just like they're two they're two lost souls yeah like, and they kind of like have like drifted together <laughs> and it's like there's the like um there's that great thing he says on that date as well when like he's telling her about like the the kind of how the term southpaw came about yeah and it's like it sounds like bullshit he's like so because he goes oh yeah it's like 200 years ago is in philly i think and uh a, a guy was uh he was fighting and then and then, and then he's left-handed right and his his hand was facing jersey and that's south right and it's like yeah. it, it kind of goes on it's like all the way through i'm like I, I don't, like how how she's not thinking this guy is absolutely fucking <laughs> winging it. Um, yeah. So we before we get to the big fight, there's I think again th- 
there's really small scenes in this that really play to like that really tell you more about it than the bigger scenes. One of them is like when he goes he goes to the the exhibition center to 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 see how it looks the night before. Yeah, and he know he notices that like his shorts are wrong on the kind of painting they've done of him, and then in comes like the cigar chewing. It all it's almost like he is like the living version of Danny DeVito's character in uh, Space Jam. <laughs> like, yes, uh, back hammer, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, uh, uh, yeah, the, uh, the Michael Miles Jurgens character. My, yeah, Miles yeah, Jurgen. Yeah, and. and he says something that's so biting to to him, and he's like, he's like, oh, you got the you got the shorts wrong. It's I'm gonna be wearing white shorts with a red. And he he he, he says to him like, no, like, it's not it's not gonna matter. And it's like, even at that point, it just ma- it makes you realize that up until this point, it's like for, for Rocky, this is like this is the American dream. And yeah. It's like. It's almost like undercuts it because it's like even if you get to what you want to achieve, there's always like somebody else out there who thinks what you want to achieve is is nothing essentially. Yeah, yeah. Like he he just like basically says, "Oh, it doesn't matter," and it's it's sort of like yeah, like Rocky is continuously just a joke to these people. Like Mm. you know, um, well that guy, like I guess he's sort of like he doesn't care at all. what's yeah. going on he's probably like happy to the the like apollo Creed's kind of helped him come up with this idea to like give uh unknown a shot and it's like this the american dream baby it's like it's cool it's it's like yeah cool i'm making money i sold the tickets people are going to come out to this it's a local philly boy uh apollo creed the champion and the way they sell it and the marketing and stuff i'm sure is just like he's like yeah cool i've got my money i don't care and he sees this guy and just like you know he doesn't respect him. He doesn't care. It's similar, like another well, small little scene, like when Apollo Creed is, you know, in his office and talking about, I mean, or he might be in the office with that guy and he's talking about like things and uh, like, you know, he's talking to his people, like his entourage about things he's going to do. Oh, he's got these like, like signings or like, uh, mm-hmm. he's got to talk to this person, do something with that person. And his manager is like looking at the TV screen and then you get the sh- the footage of Rocky inside the meat locker and yeah. he's just like beating the shit out of the meat. And he's just like, yeah, sorry. I had- we had to get a beat the meat in um, at one point, right? That's Tony Burton. Right? Yeah, Tony like- Burton. Boo-boo, <laughs> the boo-boo box. Sorry, that's like my favorite thing. It's like Rocky <laughs> films and then he's like the boo-boo box pirate and hook. Um Boo boo. <laughs> there, there's that amazing thing that like Rocky is almost like the original uh, Fast and the Furious in how that how that franchise kind of like gets people who were once villains and mm. like brings them on side because like as we get later in the franchise like by by three you kind of get like Tony Burton is a part of like Rocky's team. And yeah, stuff like yeah, that. And, like, yeah. He he's the one person in this who kind of takes Rocky seriously from a, like the opposition side. Yeah. yeah, as you said in that in that scene, he kind of says to him like, like his eyes widen. He's like, 
he's almost like Scatman Carruthers in The Shining yeah, when he yeah. realizes shit's going it's down like, at the Overlook. He's like, boss, yeah. you want to be paying attention to this guy? I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a joke for him. Yeah. And um, we kind of we get that we get that when we get to the fight, right? Because um, in the first round. Apollo gets knocked down by Rocky. Which and, uh, probably never happened to him before. But mm-hmm. it's like, again, it's another, like, there's, this film is such a story of evolving characters, like, because everyone, like, even to a degree, like, Paulie a little bit, but, like, man, Apollo Creed, like, they don't do much with him, like I said earlier. He's not in it a ton, but, like, what he has to do yeah. from, like, being this guy, like, he gets humbled tremendously by rocky because he's like he's probably getting easy fights uh you know because that becomes a bit of a thing with this series like managers are protecting people like um they're you know they're the champs and stuff and you just get protected after a while and like i'm sure that happens a lot in boxing you know because it's very political and stuff and you know who who's going to get the opportunity to face the champion and like you know he seems to have had his fair share of like just either easy fights or he's just very like gifted and then all it takes is this one guy to be plucked from nowhere from his own it's like his own fault he brought this on himself you know he (laughs) picked rocky and uh he he picked the wrong person to like think he was gonna run over and it's like a very kind of interesting thing of him just not taking him serious don't even he doesn't want to look he doesn't care uh you have that amazing shot like when they're in the in the uh dressing rooms just like preparing and rocky's like got the nerves but he's also like got the nerve of steel you know he's like ready he's getting Mm -hmm. he's like he's getting ready and like you know you could see his mind's racing you have the setup to that like you mentioned earlier the scene where he's like going to the convention center and he's like you know he's he can't sleep he just wants to like at least go the distance and there's a lot on his mind but then apollo creed you know it's like it's so uh it's so like just like methodical it's like he's just it's another day at the office for him it's just like he's you know just he's just like doing all of his prep and he's not taking like he's just like oh this is another match just just another match you know well as yeah as tony burton's character says to him he's like uh he doesn't know it's a show he thinks it's a goddamn fight and it's like that's what that's when you kind of get that realization from apollo creed that like and what 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 did he expect you like if somebody who's got nothing to nothing to lose has got everything to gain so yeah. they're going to give it their all and then like that's what that's what rocky does and like he kind of like it's 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 weird it's it's hard to kind of talk about a a boxing match on a in a film on a podcast we could just go and then this person punches that person <laughs> but then like the 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 film doesn't like bore you with it it doesn't kind of play out the whole boxing match you kind of get that like uh one of uh, Apollo Creed's what like um w- like women who's like got on his team who's like uh, the oh like round the announced, yeah, so, yeah the yeah. ring girls yeah yeah <laughs> dressed up as uh, the Statue of Liberty yeah with like the Liberty card yeah. kind of shows us that and then like yeah we get to we get we get to the final round and like. They're both in their corners, and there's like some great exchanges where they're both saying to their team, like, "Don't throw in the towel." Yeah. Like, I, like I, don't, I don't, 
And it was Rocky says to Mickey, it's like, it's like if you throw in the towel, I'm going to kill you. And it's like, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. And then, like, uh, yeah, like uh, Tony Burton's that guy, like, he's like, let's, like, let's just get out of it. Like, let's, let's like, like, just call the match here. And it's like, no, I'm not, like, neither of them want to. Yeah, play. yeah. And then, yeah. Because they, like, both, like, just, like, I don't know, I guess, like, it's the thing, like, where I said uh, Apollo Creed wasn't taking it seriously, and then he starts to realize mm-hmm. how fucking serious it was to Rocky, and, yeah. like, and then also, it's like, he needed that. He needed, like, and it just, like, sets off so nicely with the, the rest of the series and stuff. Like, like he needed Rocky. He needed competition. He needed someone who was going to push him to the distance, and because he is, like, this gifted athlete who's like the champion and he's like he needs someone to push him but rocky on the other hand finds his confidence you know and he mm-hmm. starts to realize like man i can do this i've knocked him down in the first round <laughs> i've knocked him down a couple of times in this match i've uh taken the punches from him you know i've like he's a rock he's like a he's built like a brick shit house you know like he's just yeah. like he can like take the punishment and then he gets his nose broken hey, hey, hey yeah <laughs> the thing is by the end of this film i would defy anyone to watch this and not kind of be like the first yeah the first time i properly watched it and then and then again today i was like stood up by the end of you know I, mean? I i was there like tony gazza you know when he's like he said to him earlier on in the film so like, oh, you're gonna be on my fight he's like ringside like, like, <laughs> like, really like kind of cheat like yeah. uh, game show host about it. and it's like that's how that's how you feel even if you're yeah. like I, I can only imagine like what this would be like watching it in a cinema and it's like it's kind of like jumped up on my bucket list of like films to see like a, any of the rocky films yeah yeah cinema, yeah just because like that that experience and it's no, no matter how many times you you see it it's like you just like you get pumped up and it's this weird thing because i'm like really excited for it and at the same time i'm just like burgeoning on tears (laughs) yeah 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 sure when it gets to the kind of like denouement of the whole film and Mm. he kind of like does the whole like adrian and there's like she's running from the dressing room and it's like cutting back between them and then like it kind of like cuts to some comedy of like but but yeah like paulie getting like dragged out of the boxing ring he's like hey that's my friend that's my friend like, i don't care if it's your friend he's like oh you're gonna you're gonna rip the soft like he's kind of gets a little bit like a uh, rodney dangerfield yeah and then, uh yeah and like you it kind of it, it you get told that apollo won on like on points or whatever but like it's so you know, understated like yeah yeah but because it, it's kind of like trojan horse you into like going to to the it's almost like that thing to like to the guys it's going it's a big sports movie and then like and it's like well it's not it's, yeah. it's a love story between these two people and it's like i know at the time a lot of the kind of studios and stuff like that didn't didn't want to make this film so that like, women won't go watch a sports movie women won't go watch a boxing movie because obviously like it's the 70s and they they just like underestimated that women would find any enjoyment out of it but it's like it's not that it transcends a sports movie it's Mm. like it's just it's a film about said like the human spirit the american dream and love like yeah him him and adrian and it's it's beautiful yeah because he like completely 
it, 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 again it's just like uh it's the camera work as well and what they decide yeah. to focus on like 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 i said when they focused on his face when he's getting told that he's got that match it just like zooms in on him mm-hmm. they do a similar sort of thing with this where he's in the ring and like they're trying to talk to him and he's just like he's like oh no no like adrian adrian he's just shouting for her and like you hear in the background apollo creed's the winner and like there's like the ruckus going on in the ring but it's like you you just stay on rocky's face and it's just like him and then you cut to to uh adrian running after him she loses her hat i love that he like even goes what what happened to your hat it's like (laughs) even in those moments it's just like you make rocky kind of a a bit of a joke because but that is what he is he's just like funny like he's just a funny character like that um but yeah, it's just like a, it's a really sweet sort of ending because it's like, that's what he wanted to do. And she knows that's what he wanted to do. And she's like, obviously so proud of him. Probably also very happy that he's not dead. Um, because Jesus Christ, this man doesn't keep his so, hands up. <laughs> so at the time of uh, watching this, these are all on Amazon Prime in the UK. Yeah. And like, Amazon, like they, 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 they do a thing at the end of this and it's like, up next, Rocky 2. And it's just that <laughs> thing of like, that I was like, oh shit, I've, I've really got to record with Jonathan soon. And it, but at the same time, it's like, oh, that's so, like, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. so tempting. Yeah, like, yeah I'm so it's... ready to like, start watching them again. Because like, that's something I want to do. Uh, I guess we'll talk to talk about a little bit, but franchise, uh, yeah, like I want to, yeah. I want to go through the Rocky series. I want to do all these films. And also, like I said, my wife hasn't seen them all and I've always just talked about how great most of them are most yeah. most of them is, uh, is rocky five which is a bit well, i don't yeah. know tommy gun come on come on man yeah it's fun uh sorry <laughs> so we've talked all things rocky now on to a little section i like to call coppola connections jonathan could you find any weird connections between this film and another film in the coppola family Mm, I found a few. <laughs> okay, so I wasn't really sure if you wanted to go like Coppola to Coppola, so I, I or if it just anyone from this film. So I, I, I had a couple. The fir- the first one I did was like Burt Young. Um, so yep. Burt Young's in this film as uh, Paulie, but he was also in Once Upon a Time in America, which starred Robert De Niro. Who was in Godfather Part Two, directed by Francis Ford Coppola? Very easy, lightweight, perfect, easy. perfect. Um, one of the ones I've got is producer Irvin Winkler, also produced 2011's Trespass, directed by Joel Schumacher and starring Nicholas Cage. Ooh, there you go. Uh, Talia Shire was in I Heart Huckabees with her son Jason Schwartzman. Just throwing that in there because that's a connection itself. <laughs> uh, which was Directed by David O. Russell, who was also the director of the Silver Linings Playbook, which co-starred Robert De Niro, who was in Godfather Part Two, using the same <laughs> one, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. <laughs> there is also another connection to David O. Russell as well. He directed Flirting with Disaster mm. in 1995 that starred Nicolas Cage's then-wife, Patricia Oh, Rocker. okay. Yeah. So, uh, there's, yeah, there's some other weird ones. So... Bill Conti actually composed music for the Godfather game that came out on PlayStation 2. Weird. I'm not sure if you've ever played that. <laughs> yeah, I think like, I played I get, it once I... and it was kind of weird. So. <laughs> yeah, I got it right oh, nice. here, baby. There you go. 
they yeah i i guess the original uh nina costa or uh, uh neo costa or whatever couldn't couldn't do it and carmine coppola uh might have passed away by the time that that they they did the game so bill conti picked up the slack and did some of the music for for yeah for the godfather another weird one is stan shaw as i mentioned the guy who shouts to rocky and says uh Fetch for the Laka is is in Snake Eyes, which also links to uh, Brian De Palma, mm. somebody who you mention all the time, uh, <laughs> amazingly on the podcast Silica. Yeah, that's <laughs> the joke that won't die, and I'm trying to kill it, but it won't. It won't. It just keeps happening every time we. Um, well, every time I'm doing research, he just appears somehow. So and, it's the ghost and somebody who obviously like took the steady cam and ran yeah. with it and especially in in snake eyes which kind of has that like 13 like to 15 minute sequence it's just like let's just like see how long we can keep the steady cam going yeah. like and that's that scene as well like because obviously it's a full stadium and the way that worked is they obviously had extras for half the stadium but what they did was in the time it took them to like walk around like behind the scenes they had like production crew and stuff like that getting all the extras to then like move to the <laughs> other side yeah. like, go 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 like because you, yeah you've got four yeah. minutes before nick cage is walking out of this door and we've got to make it look like that part of the stadiums uh, yeah. um any more any more couple of all right i've got a couple more um talia shire and rocky directed by john g alvidson who directed the karate kid with elizabeth shu who was in leaving las vegas with nick cage there you go and then i got a really complicated okay. one it's six <laughs> degrees of uh couple of connections talia shire was in a 1993 film called chantilly lace which co-starred martha plimpton who was in the goonies directed by richard donner who also directed the toy with richard Pryor who was in Lost Highway, directed by David Lynch, who directed Wild at Heart, starring Nicolas Cage. Perfect. And Lost Highway also stars Patricia Arquette, who at that there time was yeah. married to Nicolas <laughs> Cage. Uh, here's, yeah, here's probably one of my more, like, uh, I don't know, weirder ones. It's Sylvester Stallone directed Staying Alive, the sequel to Saturday Night Fever, which features mm -hmm. music by David Shire, Tyler Shire's then husband, which has a Rocky poster on the wall uh, <laughs> of Tony's room in that film, and was set to be directed by John G. Avildsen originally before it was oh, wow. before he left the project because he didn't like the kind of dark tone that the film took. Like he kind of <laughs> he basically wanted to make Rocky at the disco. And uh, <laughs> John Travolta was like, nah, I want it to be about guys who take speed, are massively racist, and very flippant about rape. Like, and that, that's uh, kind of the, the film we get. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> God. And then, yeah, I always forget that Sly Stallone directed that, and that's just always just like, what? What? Yeah. Well, yeah, he, what? he directed the sequel, like, not the, yeah. not the, yeah, it would have been weird if he had done Stay Night Fever. Stay Night Fever, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> amazing now on to uh yeah a very arbitrary way of rating the film and how mm -hmm. would you well what would be the perfect wine pairing for this film obviously the coppolas are synonymous with wine what yeah. wine would you pair with this film Jonathan? malbec always malbec 
because Malbec's my favorite. Perfect. It's like, in my opinion, the best flavor of wine. Uh, red wine. Um, red, always red as well. It's got to go red. I White think to cook with, but I'm not drinking it. Too sweet. <laughs> this, this is very much a, a red wine film because it's like mm. it's quite dark. It's quite deep. It's it's got a, it's yeah. Got, like it's got a lot to like. I don't know flavor notes. You've got a lot lot to kind of chew over. Like there's a bit more yeah. like bite to a red wine as opposed to. I, I assume a white a white wine or like a something a bit lighter. Whereas this film, like yeah, it's got light touches to it, but it's uh, it's 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 got some substance. Yeah, yeah, it's very great. <laughs> very good. Um. <laughs> Coppola's wine's not bad, by the way. I've the, tried it. Yeah, you know, I, I might be one of. I don't know how many people out there have tried Coppola's wine because I don't know what the reach is on that thing. But you know, I've been in America; they have it there. At it, it's good. Well, there, there is there is like UK stockists, but it's like that thing of like it's like twelve twelve pound plus a bottle. So like, yeah. for, for for me and the kind of times we're living in, it's like, oh. My birthday's coming up. Like I might treat <laughs> myself to a bottle. Like yeah, or, um, it's not cheap in America. To be honest, it's like yeah. it's it's a little bit more on the expensive end. Uh, and I, I've only had it a couple of times when it was like, I don't know. I guess it was like going off date or something at the grocery store I was working at, and it was really cheap. And I was like, all right, grab it, try it. Yeah, yeah. There's there's like um. Uh, yeah, they they it's a weird thing because they kind of like they give each different member like they've got their own like blend of wine. So there's like a Sophia like uh, range of wines, <laughs> and then there's like a a Gia Coppola. So um, yeah, Roman and Sophia's uh, late brother's daughters like she has a range of wines, and then like Roman Coppola does not have a range of wines, which really lets oh. you know like. Who the like black sheep of that fat of, of their children yeah. is? Do you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> you, like you haven't got an Oscar, you get no wine. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? <laughs> does Nick have one? No I, range. I, His I, would I, be like white and red mixed together. Like yeah. it'd be like just really nasty. <laughs> Well, his would be like, uh, uh, like, like Buckfast, like a tonic wine. Oh yeah, like, yeah, like yeah, re yeah, really high alcohol level. Yeah. Just like, I, I don't Old know. Neds are gonna have a great time with that out in Glasgow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for some reason, it's got like an aniseed flavor to it. Something really, like, <laughs> like really spicy. Um, yeah. So, how much? How much are you paying for this? Are, are we kind of, if you're in a restaurant and uh, yeah, th th this this film. Uh, this film, the the wine pairing for this for this film, are you are you turning over the page? Are you going to the the expensive stuff, or are we going off <laughs> off, off license wine with this? Man, it's so like it's like for me, I know where you're going with this, but man, wine prices are overrated. Uh, oh yeah, I've, yeah, yeah. I've had so many solid bottles of wine that are <laughs> only like four ninety nine, and uh, my favorite wines, I know what they are, and I know where to get them at the good prices. They're always, yeah, they might be at the <laughs> bottom of the shelf. They might be on the bottom. They might not be up top. No one looks at the top, do they? Like, mm -hmm. you know, they taste, the, the ones I like, are they taste just as good as the ones that are on the middle, the $8 or $9 bottle of wines. Uh -huh. But who, who's actually buying, I don't even know what that tastes like. So yep. um, I'm, I'm not buying it from a uh, restaurant because, you know, it's too expensive. Too expensive, yep. 
um, and I'm being economical and smart about it. And I'm going to my, my, I don't know, Tesco, I'm going to get my favorite, uh, Cote de Rhone, or I'm going to go to co-op and I'm going to get my favorite Argentine Malbec. Um, cause it deserves that. Mm-hmm. What I like, if that makes sense, yeah. but I know that de- completely, but yeah, if, if I'm <laughs> actually rating and I'm taking out my stupid opinions on wine that you guys don't care about, <laughs> um, we're going Top dollar. We're going for the nice Chianti or whatever. However you Perfect. say that shit. <laughs> okay. and, and, and on to, yeah, on to uh, the next question is, would would you recommend this? I think this is a sure-fired bet. Yeah, but, but, Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> this is, like, you're an idiot if you, if you, well, you're me, like, a year ago, just going, oh, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's just dumb sport stuff. Yeah. Fuck me from a year ago. Like, that guy's an idiot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I, 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 like I said earlier, though, I can see it's easily done. It's mm-hmm. easily to, easily done to write off these films because they are, like, parodied a lot. And they are, like, uh, you know, and they also become a bit of a parody of themselves as they go along, even mm-hmm. though I still love this. Like, Rocky Four is, like, to me, it's just a brilliant piece of work. It's funny. It's, like... Uh, ridiculous, insane. Like, I can't believe they made it. I mean, like, Rocky is sitting there shooting himself. Well, well Rocky's like, oh, I'm, I'm Mr. Clean and stuff. And then Drago's <laughs> shooting himself off steroids. It's beautiful. Mwah. <laughs> Chef's kiss. But, uh, you know, I mean, this film is, like, incredible. It's one of the greatest films ever made. It's the greatest underdog story of all time. Uh, it's just hits all those notes it's like well made it's such a good story you're gonna have a good time if you watch it and like like we've been saying it's like yeah it's a boxing movie but it's not a boxing movie like it's yeah so much more so much more to it so give it a give it a chance give it a chance (laughs) now on to um which coppola family member (laughs) would you keep you have to erase the filmographies of all the rest which one are you keeping jonathan all right well I wanted to ask you this because I was like getting confused when I'm looking at this. I'm trying to figure this out. So like we've already said they're very incestuous, this family. So if I if I say I ax Francis Ford Coppola and I yep. keep Talia Shire, do the God, the Godfather films still exist because she's in them? Ooh, How ooh. does this work? How does this work? <laughs> right. So 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 they still exist. But they're not directed by Francis Ford Coppola, so we're living in a okay. very parallel. So, I, I'm okay, trying, I'm trying to guess who they. I would've... fucked your system up, man. I'm sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> I, 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 I'm thinking we then get it would have been directed. But I'm trying to think who was like who 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 else it was offered to, and it's oh yeah, Peter Bogdanovich. Um, it's yeah. Peter Bogdanovich's uh, Godfather instead. I, th- okay. I, th- I think he was on the list. So so yes, yeah. the Godfather does exist and let's say the godfather 2 was then uh that they had a change of heart and they actually let martin scorsese direct that one as well okay all right well (laughs) if you're if you're if you're allowing that then i was i was being very tactical about it because if i'm not if i'm not allowed that then i'll just be like all right well i'll I'll say talia shire so i can get my rocky films because they're really important to me and i love them as much Mm -hmm. as i love like the godfather and apocalypse now and i think that those are like some incredible pieces of cinema like (laughs) the rocky films like are so important like were so important to me as a kid that i like would want to keep them but i was being tactical about it i was like 
you know, because <laughs> I really like Jason Schwartzman as well. So I want a little bit of those like fun, like films that he did with Wes Anderson and stuff. And but I was like, what if you go Roman? If you keep Roman, you get The Godfather because he was in The Godfather. You get Apocalypse <laughs> Now because he was in that. And then you get all the cool Wes Anderson films that he did. Um, but then you also get Jack, which I think Jack <laughs> is completely underrated. Fun <laughs> film. He co-directed it with his father. Um, maybe he's just fully directed it. Who knows? Uh, yeah. But anyway, so, so Roman is the one you want to go with. If you're going to be tactical, <laughs> you want to get a bit of everything. There you go. Perfect. Uh, let, let, we, we, yeah, that that that. That's Sorry, I overthought of, this. <laughs> un, un, no, it's, it's it's a slightly unanswerable question. It's all in the fun of it. But uh, now on to yeah, are they the greatest film family of all time? Uh, I'm gonna have to go with the Waynes. Um, you know, Damon and, and, <laughs> and, and no, no, sorry, <laughs> sorry. No, uh, yeah, God, I mean, it's a it's a tough one because there's a lot of good ones. You got the like Barrymores as well. Cats, um, you know, yeah, Cats, yeah. You got uh, you know, the Marx Brothers. Like, mm -hmm. even though they're all in the same films, but I love them. Uh, yeah, but the Coppola family, it's incredible. Like, just what we were, what I was going through there, just yeah. to try to find a way to keep a lot, of, like the most of the best films that like make me happy and stuff that i've got a, like a good connection with like that just shows how like crazy that family is and then just add the nick cage connection yeah. to it as well it's just like what? they've got like, like it's all, it's insane it's yeah, a they've really got all bases incredible family for, for films they've kind of got like schlock they've got like high art like there's like an argument that without without francis ford coppola and like kind of his influence, you po possibly wouldn't have George Lucas doing what he did. And like, there is, there is, there is no Star Wars. Yeah, do you know what absolutely. I mean? like, if it yeah. wasn't kind of like yeah. him seeing this kind of weedy little guy on sex, I think he won like a competition at, at at film school to like visit the Warner Brothers lot whilst Franz Ford Coppola was filming Finian's Rainbow, and like, like he kind of took him under his wing, and mm. then like pushed him into doing uh thx and then THX. produced american graffiti yeah. and like had this dream of zoetrope yeah. where it's like yeah no we want to do stuff like outside of the studio system and probably like george lucas probably wouldn't have been like yeah you can you can make like we'll do star wars but i want to keep the rights to to like all the toys and stuff like that like, jimmy he wouldn't have been the behemoth that he became and stuff like that. So yeah it's it's very crazy absolutely and i love that i love that about coppola as well i love yeah. zootrope like it's an idea like i know it didn't necessarily no. work sorry my cat's toes were flicking um she just decided to jump up here God, Steve, go away. <laughs> uh but yeah um zootrope is so cool it's like i really i really like just yeah i love that as an idea you know just doing it yourself man like getting out of that system and stuff and these guys like you know just used what they could and took advantage of what they could to create like some of the best cinema, like in that whole gang, you know, and they're all, they were all friends. You, you know, we've talked about diploma. You got your diplomas, you got your Spielberg, you got your uh, Scorsese, like the whole crew, man. They're just yeah. like a wrecking crew going into Hollywood and just shaking things up and changing and just almost mm -hmm. destroying yeah. the system as well. So like, you know, they built it and then destroyed it. It's great. It's like a, 
the new Hollywood era is incredible. And like, you know, the Coppola mm-hmm. like connection to that wouldn't like well, it yeah, wouldn't like have been there without the Godfather that, going into it too much, obviously like um conscious about time, but uh he like the Godfather was like one of the first American films to have like wide distribution, like being on multiple screens at the same time. And I guess like obviously working in cinema just that idea yeah. just thinking about like how it used to be like a film would like just kind of do the rounds as opposed to like do you know what I mean like day and date of release like everyone gets it yeah. it'd be like oh you're yeah. in you're in Wisconsin you're getting this like 6 months after it actually comes out or do you know what I mean like yeah 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 cuz they used to do a lot of that road show sort of stuff you know sometimes they did it on purpose but like you know a lot of times that was all they had back in the day and like you know it's just unfathomable to think i think like, yeah for its time such like, a wide release the, you know? well like it was the largest amount of screens at one time and it was something like 400 screens in the country and it's like if you kind of think of that like by today's numbers mm-hmm. it's like nothing do you know what i mean like when like when like a marvel film comes out <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah yeah well just just tight, yeah, just like it's e- crazy. Just, any screen possible. Everybody you know has like, um, <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Before before I let you go, I must ask you, what does Bill Murray say mm. to Scarlett Johansson at the end of Lost in Translation? Uh, he told her that the briefcase in Pulp Fiction definitely contains the perfect. soul of Marcellus. Perfect, Jonathan. That, that, yeah. that, 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 is, that is possibly <laughs> my favourite answer uh, so, so far. Um, so where can people keep up to date with everything you're doing, whether it's with the Prince Charles Cinema, the Pod Charles Cinecast, Breadcrumbs, and franchises? Franchised. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, me personally, I'm at Tall for All, T A L L, the number four A L L on Twitter, Instagram, and my band's page on Facebook because I play music sometimes. But, <laughs> you know, not doing it now. Uh, but yeah, the Pod Charles Cinecast, uh, it's the official podcast for the Prince Charles Cinema where I work. Um, we talk about the cinema, the schedule, the program there, and the people who work there. Uh, but because it's in this weird, forever pandemic world we're in now and it's just kind of turned into a fucking <laughs> weird meta podcast where we just like are becoming part of the film so like you know we did die hard and phil and i pretended we were in a uh, podcast festival that got taken over by terrorists and we talked about God, uh, die hard <laughs> during a terrorist hostage situation so that's kind of what's that's become and it's been really fun it's not always that way but you know sometimes we get pretty silly um, and then Phil and I recently decided, along with Ariane, um, our former co-host of the podcast, to create this thing called the Breadcrumbs Collective, which is like zoetrope. It's uh, I want to like mm-hmm. I want to do things outside of the systems. Uh, it's like it's hard to it's hard to get people to take a chance on you um, as like someone who they want to work with, like editing their podcast or whatever. Uh, producing podcasts so i was just like well i'll do it myself i'll just like i'll go i'll create my own network I'll, which i don't want to call it a network it's a family like because i want to treat it like a very diy we're doing it all together uh so the breadcrumbs collective is basically just this network of 
our show. So we got the Potterall Cinecast as a part of it. Um, our Phil and I started this weird show called Breadcrumbs, which is just like it's just a weird <laughs> anti-podcast. It's hard to even describe. There's weird stories that don't make sense. Uh, the editing's all strange. Like I, I have fake adverts in it because I'm yeah. just making fun of like podcasts that just have way too many ads that just don't really feel necessary. So it's a lot of weird stuff. Making fun of the election, making fun of uh, Trump, um, Trump supporters. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, and just like weird news and just strange things, and yeah, so it's a, it's a lot of fun, and that's also spawned this new show called Franchise, where we're gonna talk about myself, Phil, and Ariane, um, our favorite film franchises and throughout history, and we'll each season we're gonna go through a new franchise, and every episode will okay. be about the next film and in that franchise some will be long some will be short um but we're going to pilot it with our fast and furious series that we've been running on patreon for the potrell cinecast so coming hot out the gates with the big 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 franchise so yeah i can't wait so yeah if you want to find out all that stuff it's breadcrumbscollective.com or breadcrumbspod well thank you so much for your time jonathan and helping me Join some of these dots and making some copula connections. Yeah, thanks so much for having me again. It's been a blast being back on. And uh, yeah, like I said at the get go, man, like congrats on like the progress you've been finding yourself with this podcast. It's uh, been nice to see your growth and stuff. So yeah, cool, man. Ding, ding. Thank you very much, Jonathan, for being in my corner for this first round of the Rocky Saga. And a massive thank you to Jonathan for inviting me to be a part of the Breadcrumbs Collective. If you'd like to find out a bit more about Breadcrumbs, head on over to breadcrumbscollective.com where you'll find links to all the other podcasts as well as all the episodes for this. You can find Caged In on facebook twitter and instagram as well as letterboxd all under caged in pod and if you'd like to send in a clip of your thoughts on any of the future episodes of this podcast send them over to caged in pod at gmail.com as for next week's episode i'll be joined by katrin lowe to talk about the 1977 disco classic saturday night fever which has additional music by david Shire. If you enjoyed this podcast, do be sure to rate, review on Acast, Apple Podcast, or wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. I've been Petrus Patsilovis, your guide through the crazy world of the Coppola family tree. So do be sure to keep it Coppola, and I'll catch you next time. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Coppola Connections, a Drip Town Limery, Maine, franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family. <laughs>